the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, great to be with you. Great to be with you, as always. We've got a great program. Looking forward to that and enjoying that. So thank you for being here on the Pro-America Report, uh, listening in. You can visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. When you go there, that's a substack. That's where I write longer form. I'm about to post something over there, uh, and uh, we will get that um up for you to check out and also go to phyllislapley.com and sign up for the daily email there the daily wink 8 a.m east coast 5 a.m pacific time you'll get an email a few links a few key points and then one what you need to know what you need to know the wink the daily wink you'll get that monday through friday so all right uh today let me take up today's wink uh on this segment on this segment and that is this the question is the question is um Who's going to be our vice presidential candidate if Donald Trump is the nominee? Now, Donald Trump is the uh, going to be the nominee. And so uh, who will be the VP uh, with Donald Trump? Trump who? And I would like to say, I, I, I can't believe it. I got a, an email from my friend, Paul Ingracia. Paul Ingracia has been on the program uh, a couple of weeks ago now. He talked about uh, due process and the question. He's a lawyer, a Cornell Law School grad, and uh, we covered a lot of ground together. And he's a very good guy and a very good writer. And he writes prolifically. And he writes on a substack, his own substack. And so he had a, a post today on VP candidates. And he went through like Lee Zeldin, Elise Stefanik, Tucker Carlson. That's his favorite. And he did include... The man who I believe is the most likely to be VP. Who is Trump's best VP? In my opinion, there's one man, and it's Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson is the best guy to be a VP for Donald Trump. I I can't even pick. Nobody else comes close. Everybody else comes with baggage. I'm not going to take them apart, but everybody else comes with baggage. So what is it? I mean, it's extraordinary how much the stars align to make it so that Donald Trump will be well, not only well served, he actually needs uh, Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson to be on the ticket with him. Why? Because he provides so many things in this moment in history, so many aspects of his personality and life that are indispensable for assuring the American voters that this is a, a, a ticket that's trustworthy, that's a, a ticket that's grounded, that ticket that's adult. And I don't mean that in any way. I, I think Donald Trump is an extraordinary leader and he's extra, been an extraordinary president. What I mean is the perception, the media does it to him. 
The media has been talking all the time about chaos. Oh, Donald Trump's chaos, blah, blah, blah. By the way, it's Joe Biden that appears to me to bring chaos. We have a chaos at the border. We have chaos in our, uh, our, our cities. We have chaos in uh, our universities. We have a lot of chaos in the economy. Overseas, there's chaos. That's all Joe Biden. But Ben Carson as VP, what does he bring? First, you cannot be considered as a vice presidential candidate if you haven't run at the highest level for office. You can run for Senate, U.S. Senate. You can run probably for governor. Mike Pence was a congressman and then governor. You can run for House, the House maybe. As long as you have the the really bright Klieg lights on you in a way that is, is you know, kind of um, un, un, unstinting. It's it's not just, oh, I was a public figure. People knew who I was, even if you were controversial. If you run for office, you have to do the filings. You, you know, you have to do the financial disclosures. Your family has to be exposed to what's going on. Now, you could say, well, Hunter Biden's family wasn't exposed. Well, the left has a different standard. But on the right, for Republicans, you have to have run in a serious race. Ben Carson asked twice. He ran for president twice. And the first time he ran knee deep into the into the primary, he was succeeding before he lost to Trump. He he had to do all of the things that, that, that take you go. The people are going through your sock drawer and your bank accounts. That's what happens. And he did it and he succeeded. And there was never a whiff, not a whiff of controversy uh, of any meaningful and any with him. Uh, and so that's a number one. Number two, he served in government now at the highest levels. He was the head of HUD for four years. And the only scandal I can think of was at one point they complained about his choice of furniture. And even that went away. He was dutiful. He was serious. The, the, the place worked. Lots of people, lots of bureaucracies. He's got that experience. OK, so that's another. Here's third is just on, on demeanor. He's a peaceful guy. He's a guy that when you hear him speak, he's a well-adjusted man. He has a family around him his wife and his kids. And he's he's a, he's a kind of a serious kind of American person, a man. And he put it, that exudes from him. It's it's clear when he talks. He's very, very, he's very presentable. He's he's got a fun smile. He's got a kind of wry smile uh, when you see him smile. I think he's got his eyes are, you know, he, he'll see him smile. And I've, I've only I've only met him once uh, formally. He came to a Phyllis Schlafly Eagles event um, and he and his wife, Candy, again, she's an extraordinarily good lady and a smart lady and talented and just a, they're just a good family. And he sat at the table with my wife, who's a doctor, and um, and he talked to her the whole time. They talked the whole time about all kinds of things, medical stuff. And and uh, it's just he's just a very, very likable, good man. Now, here's one that's a little bit of a, a trick. He doesn't need to be VP or even president. He didn't need it. He's like Trump. He uh, ben, Dr. Ben Carson has been one of the most accomplished professionals, professionals in American medical history. What he did as a surgeon is beyond belief. It's ground. It's groundbreaking and earth shattering. It's life saving all the time. He doesn't need to be president. He's accomplished. He actually more than Trump, uh, even more than anyone. He came from nothing, meaning he came from humble beginnings. It's a better way to say it. He came from a very strong and, and uh, impressive mother, uh, but he came from, you know, uh, Detroit and didn't have uh, much financial means. And he, 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 he came from all of that. In fact, he's a member of the Horatio Alger Society, which is a society of people who came from nothing, came from, you know, came from humble beginnings. I keep saying came from nothing. That's not fair. But he came from uh, humble beginnings and succeeded to the highest level. And so what you have with 
Ben Carson is somebody who doesn't need to be president or need to be VP. He doesn't need you to give him an award. He's he's accomplished deeply. Now, one aspect of that, by the way, is he doesn't look like he looks like he could be president tomorrow. If if something happened to Donald Trump, uh, Ben Carson could be president tomorrow. He doesn't necessarily look like a guy that's going to run for president. He's at an age where he may or may not. I guess he could consider it, but it's not an heir apparent. If Donald Trump picks a VP that's clearly a younger guy, if he picked DeSantis or he picked uh, Ted Cruz or Rand Paul, th- that person would be have to be the favorite to run for president. And that would be a catch-22, both because Trump didn't, doesn't want to have to answer that question about his VP and also it's inevitably a hard job. And frankly, you're probably going to get some, uh, some egg on your face as the media tries to beat up on uh, president Trump. And so the VP, you know, has something to lose. If you're Rand Paul, you might say, you know, I'm going to run for president, but I'm going to do it from my perch as a Senator, not from VP. Anyway, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. Now here's a couple of aspects of a uh, Dr. Ben Carson as a vice presidential candidate that are actually very important politically. One He's a man of faith and conservatism. No, nobody has to doubt him. There's no nobody brings up. Well, you know, I, I like the I like Vivek Ramaswamy, but he's kind of convert to uh, being a Republican. He's kind of new to it. You don't really know. Um, Elise Stefanik, she's a congresswoman, but she was pretty, pretty liberal on a bunch of issues. Now she's more conservative. Ben Carson, he's a man of faith. He's very pro-life. You don't have to No conservatives doubt it. So you don't you're not creating any doubt. Second on this politically. He is the perfect the perfect foil for Kamala Harris. He is a totally accomplished, merit-based African-American. He, he did it by earning it at every level. You don't get to, you don't get to be a, a, a brain surgeon at the level of Ben Carson because they say, let's take the black guy. It doesn't happen. Okay, that he his life is the contrast to Kamala Harris, who was promoted all along because she fit into the DEI of the time. That's just true. Nobody thinks she's there because of her talent. And I'm not judging her, by the way. There's lots of people that get someplace without uh, having great talent. But the contrast is unbelievable. And now the last thing. He would be very attractive to a constituency that will be looking up and saying, man, we are sick of the way we're seeing this country go. We're sick of being yelled at by liberal white women and liberal black women about how we're sick of hearing Joy Reid yell at me and Rachel Maddow yell at me. We're sick of it. And that's African-American men who don't want to be coddled like the left tries to say we should do for different people. They, they just want the opportunities. They just want the future. Ben Carson is a signal about how the future can be. Dr. Ben Carson is both the safest and the most advantageous vice presidential pick that Donald Trump could ever have. I, I, I see no I see no way that it's not him. Everybody else brings you complications. And remember, nobody really votes for a ticket because of the VP. They don't. But it sends a message of who's around you, who you trust, how you pick. And I think uh, Trump will really and they get along really, really like uh, that. The advantages. That's all I've got. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend John Schlafly joins us now. It's been a couple of weeks. We've been away with John. I don't know what happened. We slipped away the time. Bad weather out in uh, Missouri and all kinds of things. But he's got a column, no matter whether we talk to him or not. His column, of course, is over at uh, our sister site, townhall.com, but also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. I'm looking right now at this week's column. Texas stands strong while Biden retaliates. Uh, welcome back, John. How are you? Uh, hello, Ed. Of course, we're following the standoff at the border at uh, Texas and Mexico. I don't know if that's correctly called a Mexican standoff, but I mean, <laughs> both sides are dug in by both sides. I don't mean the United States and Mexico. I mean, I mean the Biden administration and the government of Texas. Those are the two sides. Uh, the the uh, the um, I don't think I haven't heard that the Mexican standoff. That's an old term from growing up. I think it's probably politically incorrect and will be canceled for it. All right. But, John, well, you can, if anybody cares, there's actually a an entry at Wikipedia that defines oh, what oh, that really? term means. Oh, really? So your listeners can check it out for themselves. Well, is it is it bigoted? I mean, are we being bigoted? Oh, they, no. Oh, no. no but okay. it, it's, it's something. It's an event that did occur in our American history in the Western days. Maybe we've seen it depicted in Western movies. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, the the two sides are dug into a position and neither one can move. I see. That's what I mean. The the standoff continues without resolution. John, the heroes of Mexico right now, Governor Abbott got a bunch of attention. Texas Lieutenant Governor, very powerful position, Dan Patrick, is uh, involved in this. And, of course, our friend Ken Paxton, who's really the heroes. I I have heard criticisms now of Governor Abbott that he's kind of showboating here, not really taking the full stand. What what walk us through this? What's happening? Well, some of us have been complaining for three years that uh, Governor Abbott uh, was not doing what he could do and should do on the border. But, you know, now that he's. You know, perhaps he was just biding his time and waiting for the right moment, because, frankly, I think everything's coming together in a powerful way to embarrass the Biden administration and bring to the public's attention as to what's really happening, including the people who live in cities where uh, Governor Abbott has shipped hundreds of thousands of these migrants. So this is kind of baked in the cake for the upcoming election. And I honestly, I don't think... Joe Biden will be able to fix it in time to save his reelection. This has percolated in the public consciousness now. The numbers are so massive. The the events, I mean, and there's no resolution. And you look at how Congress has spent three months now supposedly negotiating a so-called compromise behind closed doors without releasing the text of it. And they say, oh, well, that will be a solution and that will give Biden the power to finally solve this. Well, partly because of the delays, that's not happening either. And Uh, they're not going to pass anything. And this is just going to fester and make everyone matter and matter from here on out. That's how I see this, Ed. Well, I, I don't disagree with you on that, John. Um, but let me pause and, and pull back a little bit. I mean, you know, you, you have to sometimes write and uh, and do uh, radio uh, for the, the least uh, informed in the sense that the coverage of this is that there's a back and forth between President Biden, who wants a bill, wants to do. He's, he's suing Texas. And, and you hear action on behalf of Biden, except 
he already has the power. He he could he could he could reverse the rules he's already put in place in a second. He could uh you know he could embrace uh, the state saying we're going to enforce the border. Uh, I guess my question is yes the border is falling to pieces. Um is is there any chance that uh, this misdirection by Biden is working? Uh, I don't working for him. I don't. Yeah, think so. politically, right? Politically. I mean, the people are still coming, and there's a caravan. However, how many are coming today? There's always thousands more in the pipeline. You know, there's a pipeline of people from all over the world. And we used to be told that the Darien Gap between Colombia and Panama was so wild that it was simply not possible that that you know that a large fraction of people who attempted to cross that narrow, dangerous borderland between Colombia and Panama would die. But, you know, after tens of thousands or really hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even a million people have crossed through there. I mean, it's not so difficult anymore. And there are guides or Sherpas or, you know, there are people who for a fee will uh, help people to cross. And so there's a tremendous traffic now coming all the way from South America through Central America and up to the border in Texas and Arizona, too. Uh, we're done with John Schlafly. Again, his uh, weekly column is uh, uh, over at townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. He and his brother Andy uh, continue the weekly uh, Schlafly report. Uh, John, in this uh, piece, this week's, call, this week's column about Texas, you reference uh, the fact that um, – the border, so-called border bill, uh, is wrapped up with more money for Ukraine, more money for Israel. In a strange way, I, I think that's a poison pill. I, I actually think that some of the Republicans might have gone along with some of these stupid uh, border ideas, not not conservative enough, in my opinion. Uh, but th- th- I think at this point, everybody's sick of sending billions and billions to Ukraine um, and, and being told you have to do it uh, in this border bill is not popular either. I th- you're right, I think. And uh, now I read in today's news that uh, the European Union, the EU, has just approved $60 billion for Ukraine. Right. There you go. Well, that takes the pressure off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the Hungarian President Orban had held out as long as he could, supposed to be unanimous, and he said no. But they, you know, basically found some way to get around him, and they've approved – 60 billion euros, which is more, which is a little bit more than 60 billion dollars. So uh, maybe they don't need American money after all. Well, so, they, uh, that that does change the dynamic. It's not going to, as you say, it's not going to uh, happen uh, anyway. Um, John, uh, segue for one moment. I know you haven't followed it as closely, but I do want to ask you because you've been uh, participating a number of times over the last six months with some of the efforts that uh, people have been undertaking, the Patriot Freedom Project with January 6th, um, and you've been at some of the events with their families and different things. Uh, in the news in the last couple of weeks, one, the, the pipe bomb uh, situation, Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, basically release video saying whatever they told us about what they thought this was, it's not making sense. The video shows, you know, no real uh, fear of this pipe bomb that they found uh, and other discrepancies in there. And now the news at Frontline, I haven't watched this uh, ABC News Frontline report where within it, uh, Adam Kinzinger says, yeah, of course, we hired a TV producer because we knew we had to stage this like a miniseries. He's talking about the the select committee report. Are, are we any closer, John, to, to sort of breaking the hoax on January 6th, do you think? Or are we stuck with uh, a situation where, you know, 40 percent of the country thinks that the Russians were involved in the 2016 election uh, with Trump? They weren't. um, And that they're probably just going to be we're going to be stuck with that narrative for a big portion of the country on January 6th. Well, I think that's right. We've had some tantalizing clues come out 
about the the two pipe bombs, right. which uh, were supposedly planted to distract attention. And, you know, what we have a, a video that recently was released just a few days ago, which is very suspicious about somebody who's been identified as a plainclothes boy of the Capitol Police looking very nonchalant about the pipe bombs as if he knew that there right. was nothing to worry about. And then there's the issue that of the gallows that you've been tracking down. And then there's the issue of Ray Epps, who was given a sweetheart deal. Um, well, and there's meanwhile, though, uh, you know, the U.S. attorney for District of Columbia, Matthew Graves, is not relenting. And he is still arresting and prosecuting people who didn't go into the Capitol, you know, who were only on the grounds. And he's claiming that was restricted territory. Well, why was it restricted? Right. Because, you know, they, these were people, they didn't know it was restricted. The bike racks had been knocked down, not by them, but by others. And it's a vast area of parkland, seemingly open to the public. And the reason it was, only reason it was restricted was because supposedly, uh, Mala Harris, the incoming new vice president, was on hand. Well, you know, she wasn't on hand. That's And there's a big mystery about exactly where she was at that moment. And yet her whereabouts are the whole predicate for right, right. A whole bunch of charges. as yeah. being a restricted territory. Yeah. So there's just so many questions about this, uh, you know, over three years later. It is. Um, it is. Uh, and, and, and yet I, I fear, as I started my question, the premise that, you know, it doesn't matter what um, that, 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 that the left and the powers that be, the regime, whoever you want to call them, the narrative machine, I call them, uh, were able to uh, hammer home with enough effectiveness and enough efficiency a message that 40 percent of the country will never unhear. And uh, and that will have its uh, that will do its damage. All right. John Shapley, thank you, as always. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly dot com. You can see all of his columns there. We got to run and take a break. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest uh, is Naomi Wolf. She's been on the program a number of times. We've talked about her books that were coming out. Well, the one Facing the Beast is really powerful. Uh, you can check that out everywhere you get books. She's, of course, the uh, well-known as uh, influential, I guess, thinker. But she's also the founder of DailyClout.io, a civic tech company. Done a lot of work in there uh, communicating about how um, how to be get your voice heard and uh, amplifying voices and she's really uh, uh taken on this uh, big role and so welcome back naomi wolf how are you good thanks so much for having me back what an well, honor yeah it's great I, I by the way one of my uh, colleagues uh texted me there was an exchange with someone where they were saying horrendous things to you and they called you like a schlafly she went schlafly and i thought i thought that was one of my one of our schlafly eagles thought this is the best compliment ever to go schlafly so uh it was kind of a good compliment in spite of the context yeah but exactly so all right now of all the things you've been doing and i saw you were down in virginia one of our mutual friends aj rice was down in 
I think Charlottesville, you were you were introducing RFK Jr. at an event, all kinds of things. You've been communicating on what's happening at uh, Davos and their mm-hmm. idea that they're going to have a new uh, disease that's coming. And yet, mm-hmm. uh, just in the last 24 hours, you stopped all that and got out there and and talked about the need for legislation. And it was it's great and so important. So tell us about that. Well, thank you. <clears throat> um, but even better than talking about it, um, <laughs> it, we actually have a fantastic draft bill, and it's been many months in right. the drafting right. and in the work that went into it. Um, I just didn't unveil it till now because I, right. you know, try to underpromise and overdeliver. Mm-hmm. But um, it is an incredible draft bill, and it solves so many of the problems that we've been discussing, um, you know, here and uh, on other platforms about the horrific degradation of our country and the fact that, as you know, um, our country is, you know, under attack and and has a hostage administration, um, hostage to our enemies. And I know I voted for them. and I'm sorry. So I'll just start out with that. Okay. Um, but the draft bill is um, it's up on our website uh, and you can download it. It's a PDF and it's called um, the Election Integrity Draft Bill or Accountability, Transparency and Inclusion Model Bill. Fancier name. Right. Um, but basically it's a it's a a draft bill that I, I co-drafted with Phil Klein of the American Voters Alliance. So it was Daily Cloud and the American Voters Alliance working together with their lawyers. And it basically is a very simple draft bill. It's 19 pages long. Anyone can read it and understand it, but it buttons down the many forms of corruption that have seeped into our elections process. So number one, it ensures paper ballots. Um, I'm a tech CEO and I know very well, and I've written about this on my Substack, that any digital machine is not secure. There's no way to know since they've been using digital machines since about 2003, we literally don't know who won all of the elections in which digital machines were used because you don't just... you don't just have to hack them. As my developer explained, you know, whoever has the, whoever has the credentials to the back end can give the credentials to anyone in the world, you know, in right. Serbia, right. in China, and they can get in and, you know, mess things up, change things. The algorithm can be set to count, you know, three Democratic votes to one Republican or vice versa. And the code is proprietary. So you can't see the algorithm doing this. Um, you know, you don't need to hack the machines for them to be corrupt. Right. Right. So. We, we have to get back to paper ballots and this bill bill ensures that number two um, voter ID. It is crazy that when I voted on a machine in New York state, no one asked for my ID. And I'm, I went up and I said, here, do you want to see my ID? And they're like, no, we don't have to. So this is lunacy. Anyone can vote. You right. know? They can claim to live at that address and they can take that person's place and vote. It's lunacy. But our bill guarantees um, U.S. identification, government ID. And so citizens will be voting insanely. There are 16 states where non-citizens get driver's licenses. There are states like New York where there are regulations being pushed to allow non-citizens can vote. We've had I think 7 million illegal aliens crossed the border, um, you know, just in the last couple of years. Uh, that's a gigantic voting block that can sway any election if, um, you know, if, if these people are allowed to vote instead of American citizens. That's a coup. So our bill demands that government ID shows you're a citizen before you can vote. Um, third thing is it ends ballot harvesting. And that's the practice of um you know, people who are 
interested in one way or another in the outcome, going to nursing homes, you know, proactively, right. you know, going to people who are in a coma or have dementia or whatever, and kind of soliciting their ballot, delivering their ballot um, in a way that is full of corruption. And this ends that. So if you want to send in an absentee ballot, you have to proactively uh, yourself request the absentee ballot. You have to have someone um, who is also identified witness that you are signing the absentee ballot. So it ends the ballot harvesting nonsense. The other thing that it problem that it solves, which is huge, and I did not understand the scope of this until um, Phil Klein, to his credit, explained it to me and others in the election integrity right. movement, is that there are non-government organizations, non-profits, in the middle of our electoral processes, right. counting and transporting votes like Zuckbucks and Soros funded NGOs and no doubt, you know, opaque right. NGOs on the other side. Exactly. So this says that the only people who can handle and count and, you know, engage in any way with the electoral process are employees of the United States government. So no more of those NGOs in the middle of everything. And uh, it solves, I guess, one last problem, um, same day voting and public counting with observers uh, watching the paper ballots being counted. And I'll tell you, uh, Mr. Martin, that in states like New Hampshire, where they have these basic, you know, election integrity provisions, there's never a doubt about who won the election. And right. if there's ever a doubt, you just recount the paper ballots. Uh, one last question. Uh, Naomi sure. Wolf was our guest. And again, um, she has this incredible model legislation, which is out, which is at dailyclout.io. Uh, I'll link to it, uh, the election uh, uh, transparency, accountability, all in this thing, working with Phil Klein. That's what I want to ask you about. You, you, you're somebody who's been identified for a long time as a woman of the left, a feminist, all these things. And in the last five years, you've had this this experience where and I think you're still probably pretty left on a bunch of positions. But you've had this experience where whether it's RFK Jr., Phil Klein, uh, these positions, you're, you're kind of out there. And it's not, at no small cost to you because I've read about right. how people what they say, your old colleagues. On the other hand, it's something you obviously decided not just truth wise, but politically, mm -hmm. you had to do. It's a profile in courage. I think you know that. But I mean, it's normal people are like, whoa, she keeps doing she steps towards the punches they throw at her. It's a, it is extraordinary. But I but I think you it feels like you had to do it. Right. Well, thank you. I mean, I guess what I would say is. I, you know, and I, I direct people to my latest essay on Substack, yeah. a letter from Charlottesville. Yep. Uh, you know, our country is literally under attack. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how Phil Klein votes. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care how you vote. None right. of that matters, right? What matters is the Constitution and and freedom and basic human rights and and you know maintaining our republic. We can argue about everything else later, right? So right now, I didn't intend to cross the line and only work with conservatives. <laughs> right. But I'm happy, you know, I intended to, you know, initially I got ejected from the left and I tell the story in Face to the Beast because I just told the truth about women being injured reproductively. The only people, so then I got deplatformed by the left and by big tech um, and attacked globally by the left and by big tech. That doesn't matter. What matters is saving women and babies, right? And the next generation. So the only people who want, who cared about that were conservatives and people of faith. So I talked to them. You know, now I care, like, uh, relatedly, I've been sounding the alarm about, you know, this horrific injection, you know, our 3,250 doctors and scientists at Daily Cloud who have uh, gone through the Pfizer documents. The only people who care about getting the word out about harms to citizens are happen to be conservatives and libertarians and people of faith. And now when it comes to saving our republic, because we're 
the injections and the inflow over the southern border, um, which my husband, Brian O'Shea, and his colleague, J.J. Carell, a former border agent, um, cover in their podcast, they persuaded me that something really catastrophic is happening. So this is a two-point attack. The injections are a bioweapon, I've concluded, and the invasion from the southern border is a, a you know, a military invasion, basically, yeah. or military-style well, yeah. invasion. So right now, I'm just talking about how do we save our country? <laughs> we need to clean up our election process. We need to secure our border. And the only people who will talk to me are conservatives and libertarians and people of faith. So I didn't choose my new brothers and sisters. I just put the call out to Americans. It happens that you guys are stepping up. So, you know, <laughs> you thank go. God well, someone is. Well, I, 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 don't think you, I don't think you've been schlafly, but whatever that means, it's pretty good for our folks. So thank you, uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf. I will we'll put links up there. I've got the right uh, website and especially to dailycloud.io where this Election Transparency, Accountability, Inclusion Act, the model is there. Uh, thanks for the time. And we'll talk again very soon. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf. And we will uh, take a break, everybody. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. In the late 2010s, the Me Too movement sought to uproot the career of any business or entertainment professional who may have just glanced at a woman incorrectly. There were certainly cases of abuse that needed to be dealt with, but that's never what it was about for the left. It's always been about power. In April 2014, Boko Haram captured 276 schoolgirls from a school in Nigeria. The kidnapping quickly sparked media protests with celebrities and officials, including Angelina Jolie, Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama, sharing on social media the hashtag bring back our girls. This response stands in stark contrast to how American celebrities and political figures reacted to the kidnapping of Israeli women and children by Hamas terrorists. After the October 7th attack, over 1,200 Israelis were killed and more than 240 were abducted. When faced with the news of the abduction of Israeli girls and subsequent sexual assault, Mrs. Obama did little more than offer her thoughts and prayers. This comparatively lackluster reaction is consistent across the board from Western feminists and leftists. U.S. Representative Pramila Jayapal, chair of the House Progressive Caucus, was confronted about the silence of progressives when it came to the terrible things done to Israeli women by Hamas terrorists. Jayapal stated that sexual violence should be condemned, but that we have to be balanced in our condemnation. Being balanced on the issue of rape during warfare is an absurd prospect. This is not proper conduct for soldiers, no matter what the conflict, and should be condemned without qualification. The left's contradictory and nonsensical reaction to these crises is indicative of the true motive behind left-wing political activism. They don't actually care about women, and they don't actually care about victims. They care about power. When Africans are in trouble, the powers that be waste no time in drawing attention, but they're happy to obscure and ignore atrocities committed by their Islamic terrorist allies in places like Israel. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For more than 50 years, Phyllis led the fight against the dead-end road of radical feminism. Today, with the rise of so many savvy young conservative women, new voices are emerging. You're invited to voice your opinion on what's really important to women at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, in the uh, category of doing the right thing is worth uh, noticing and worth paying attention to. I got a text from a friend of mine, good friend of mine, good buddy of mine from my college days. His name is Mark, Mark Riley, and a great guy, super guy, a little bit liberal, but really good guy. And uh, he and I uh, spent some time when we were in college. We went on a trip down to uh, Cuernavaca in Mexico and spent like two weeks down there on awareness. Uh, One of these things we I think he may be better. He may be at the time better at Spanish, probably is now, too. I'm not that good at Spanish. But it was a lot about awareness about what was going on there. It was an amazing trip, really, for, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, maybe we were 19. 20 year olds who had never, I'd never been abroad anywhere. And, uh, in fact, we met incredible people, uh, learned a lot about what it's like to live in, uh, in poverty in places like Mexico. Anyway, great guy, Mark. And we don't agree on a lot of things all the time. And he texted me and said, Hey, uh, doesn't this show that the system works? And he linked to an article uh, that I had seen the story of, but hadn't seen the details. And that is about this, this uh, guy that went to work for the IRS as a consultant. And he leaked Donald Trump's tax returns uh, and lots of other people's, by the way. I think it was thousands of other people, uh, but he got caught. And uh, so what my friend Mark sent me was this uh, article that the guy actually, the tax return leaker, this consultant to the IRS who leaked the Trump tax returns, he got five years in prison. And the judge, Judge Reyes, said, you know, it can't be like this. It can't be open season on elected officials. And actually, the thing that was uh, pretty cool about this is he got the maximum uh, sentence that he was allowed to get because the judge said it was terrible. Um, I think his own attorneys asked for a lot less, obviously. And even the prosecutors, maybe they uh, uh, they don't know. The prosecutors did ask for they asked for the max. So I suppose he could have been charged with a lot of other things. But five years in federal prison uh, for um, what is effectively a white collar crime, you know, and I don't think this guy had any um he didn't have the, the guy that uh, got this jail term uh, did not have any uh, priors, I don't think. And so that's a pretty good sentence. And so to my friend, Mark, uh, Mark, you're exactly right. They should be praised. This judge should be praised. The DOJ should be praised. I mean, I, I have become someone who is very critical of all of it, all of the sentencing that happens in the federal system. I, I subscribe to distrust, then verify. I just don't trust the prosecutors. And that would be true for you know, uh, 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 drug crimes. It'll be true for uh, all kinds of violent crimes. And I, you know, I've got friends in the ACLU world that probably uh, chuckle if they hear me say this, because 20 years ago, they would have been telling me, you know, these too many of the federal prosecutors are really bullies and they dominate and the, and it's not fair. And I probably would have been like, well, you got to put them away. You know, you got to do the right thing. Now I'm much more, uh, I'm much more cynical. I'm much more uh, inclined to distrust than verify on all these different, uh, especially the federal prosecutors, because they have such an, an advantage. They have such an advantage as as I forget now who was the 
uh, defendant who was going, he said, you, you are going up against the best law firm in the world. That's the Department of Justice, especially when it's main justice in Washington. But in general, because they have the, mo- the best lawyers, they have the best um, backup, they have the, the most um, uh, resources. You know, you, they don't have to make decisions based on um, an upcoming election like a local prosecutor sometimes does. And so this is a pretty good example to my friend uh, Mark's point of the uh, the the lawyer getting um, uh, excuse me, the, the the defendant getting the maximum sentence and for the right reason. You know, I, I actually probably would have said as to a white collar crime, you know, with no priors, maybe this guy deserves leniency. But the judge's points point was you clearly did this um, and and sought to do it as a consultant and, and leaked not just Trump, but uh, thousands of others as a way to make people a target, to make it so people sh- will not want to serve in public life and will not want to be out in the thing. It's this is exactly the opposite of the lawfare. The judge is saying you're not allowed to use lawfare. You're not allowed to use a legally required filing, the IRS filings, and then go leak it in such a way against the law and against public policy and, and damage people that otherwise you're not going to have people that want to serve in public life. You're not going to want to have people that are willing to go out there. And, uh, and so good for judge Reyes, uh, for doing this. Um, she is, uh, um, a, uh, Biden nominee. So that's another part of this. And she called it an attack on our democracy. And, um, and you shouldn't be able to target the sitting president. You shouldn't be able to target other people. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty great, actually. I think it's um, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I think it's really good that it, the coverage is uh, I, after Mark sent it to me. I went look and it's covered everywhere. People are covering it and people should be praising it. People should be people should be saying this is exactly what should happen. This is the thing that you have to do to to people. Hold them accountable when they do these things. If he had gotten away with it and sort of gotten nothing or, you know, gotten a a fine or or went on his way. And, you know, you could think back, by the way, that remember the lawyer that worked for the FBI that I think it was uh, convicted or pled guilty to changing the FISA applications or fraud, uh, 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 fraud, uh, committing fraud on that, falsifying those documents. He got nothing, I think. And it maybe got his bar license suspended for a half a minute. And that that felt like he wasn't held accountable to something that was a big deal. But in this case, the system worked. As my friend Mark said, the uh, doesn't this show the system works? And yes, it does. It shows the system works and it's worth praising. And so thank you to this Biden appointed judge for doing the right thing in this case. And uh, unless I'm missing something like there could have been massive numbers of other charges, seems like five years is plenty of a message uh, not to do this, to both to this guy and to anybody else thinking about it. So there you have it. Good stuff. All right, I got to run. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Ryan Height, associate producer, Mason Mohan. Thank you to Mark Riley, uh, my old buddy, for helping produce this show by sending me that article. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.